This episode is brought to you by Milano Cookies. Look, sometimes that long Zen yoga class is just not in the cards. So maybe a cookie is. Pepperidge Farm Milano believes you should make some time for yourself once in a while. I know I have a particular space in my sewing room that I like to just take a few minutes every day. I sit there. I think about things. It's kind of like meditation and munching at the same time. You can get that yummy, beautiful cookie flavor. It makes it luxurious and delightful, and I always feel recharged. Milano cookies are truly a treat worthy of your me time. They're delicate and crispy with luxuriously rich chocolate in the middle. You really want to keep these just for you. So remember to save something for yourself with Pepperidge Farm Milano. How do you find a new way forward when suddenly you have to, ready or not? Maybe you're relocating or having your first baby or leaving a relationship. Just starting or just starting over. On the road to somewhere, we talk about all of it, getting really honest. And we definitely laugh our way through it. That's the beauty of this journey. I'm Lisa Oz. And I'm Jill Herzig. Join us as we navigate our own big life changes on our podcast, The Road to Somewhere. Listen to The Road to Somewhere on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Katie Lambert. And I'm Sarah Dowdy. And we're going to start off this episode with a little personal anecdote. When my family was in Hilton Head a couple of years ago, I told my little, little brothers that they could each pick out a present to commemorate our trip. And my brother, who was seven at the time, picked out this bottle with a map inside and then was heartbroken to discover that it didn't really lead to a treasure. But of course, because he's a kid and not jaded, he decided it might be a real map after all. It was just in code. Fortunately, though, treasure hunting does not end with children. And grown men and women lose their heads, sometimes literally, sometimes just go crazy over it. And one possible treasure that has enchanted people for centuries is the Oak Island Money Pit, which is our subject for today. And what's in it? According to some people, perhaps the Holy Grail. Others think it's Marie Antoinette's jewels or Sir Francis Drake's loot. Perhaps Captain Kidd's treasure or Inca gold, the original Shakespeare manuscripts, even the secret of Atlantis. So naturally, it's booby-trapped too, right? Or is it, Sarah, Or is it? So we're going to talk a little bit about the discovery of the Oak Island Money Pit. That came in 1795 when a farm boy named Daniel McGinnis, or McGinnis, found something strange on an island in Nova Scotia's Mahone Bay. And it was a place in the ground that looked sunken, as if something had been buried there, perhaps. And above it, there was a tree with a tackle block, or maybe a sawed-off branch, depending on whose story you believe. And McGinnis wondered what had been hidden away in this spot. Was it treasure? And, you know, we know people like Blackbeard dig big holes and hide their treasure in it, so it's conceivable. So he came back with some friends to try to figure out exactly what was there. And armed with shovels, they set to digging and digging and then digging some more. But the mystery only deepened. Much like the hole. (laughs) They dug down to a layer of stone. And at 10 feet, they found this other layer of logs. 
at 10 more feet, another layer of logs. So they have no idea what's going on. And as one can imagine, they got tired. When they went back, no one wanted to come and help them excavate this pit. So they left it alone. But of course, the legend had begun to percolate. And one of our famous themes, mysterious omens, reported sightings of a black dog near the site start to pop up after this. And um, when we're getting supernatural reports, a legend is going to grow from that, right? Always. So a man named Simeon Linz became interested in this spot in the next decade after hearing about it from our three farm boy friends, and they formed a group called the Onslow Company and started digging again. They made it to 90 feet this time, and they found logs every 10 feet, clay, charcoal, a strange fiber that was later discovered to be coconut fiber, which makes you wonder, where did that come in Nova Scotia? And they also found a stone tablet covered in mysterious letters, which disappeared sometime in 1918, 1919, or 1928, depending on which account you follow. And some thought it was ancient Coptic script, while others said it was just an inscription telling where the treasure was. But they also strike a chest, and they're so happy, they figure, you know... We've this got it now. Oh, yeah. This is the money pit that they quit for the day, which infuriates me. I, I think they should have Sarah has asked me multiple <laughs> times, why did they leave? I mean, get some lanterns and keep going <laughs> if you found a chest. Anyways, when they come back to the pit the next morning, they find it full of 60 feet of water. So way to go, guys. It's at sea level. And every time they try to drain it, it just fills up again. So they gave up, but came back after a time with a trickier plan. And they said, okay, we'll dig another shaft that's parallel to the first one we started. And then we will dig sideways to get to the treasure. But that one filled up with water, too. So they're kind of out of ideas at this point, and they quit. But it's discovered that this water was a problem because there were tunnels going from somewhere in the bay to the pit. And it was theorized that when that cipher stone was removed, some sort of airlock was broken, and the water rushed in. Perhaps it was a booby trap. So 40 years later, another group comes along, determined this time we're going to find the treasure. This is the Truro Company, and they use that first shaft, which is still full of water, and use an auger, which is kind of like a twisty screw to see what they can pull out of the pit. They get clay, wood, links of gold chain, which also disappear later. Um, But the water is still a problem. So these excavations go on for years, and we also have our first casualty, death by ruptured boiler, which does not sound like a good way to go. But okay, we've got shafts full of water, all sorts of material in the ground, including gold, and a death on our hands, so people figure out this must add up to something, and it must be something big. So enter another party, the Oak Island Association. They, too, are trying to figure out how to get around this water problem. Every time they dig, it fills up with water. But they do manage to tunnel to what's now known as the money pit, the actual pit where everything's supposed to be, and it collapsed. So again, what kind of booby trap is this? Eventually, we get yet another company, the Oak Island Treasure Company. <laughs> I like this very direct name before it's like association and the such and such company. And now it's like, this yeah, we're the for treasure. company digging for treasure on Oak Island. And 
They find a tunnel 500 feet from Smith's Cove to the pit, and it has a drain made of coconut fiber, which, again, how did that get there? And they also find some parchment and some kind of cement. So these seems like clues. <laughs> so these seem like possible clues. What would Nancy Drew do? We also have our second death, a worker who fell down a shaft, but the company runs out of money, and so their investigations end. But don't think people stopped looking because, you know, when there's gold in question, they're not going to stop. Well, maybe Shakespeare's original manuscript. Or Marie Antoinette's jewels. A young Franklin Delano Roosevelt even gets into the whole thing. And all of these people dig and dig and dig until the island is basically Swiss cheese. And in the meantime, four more people die who drowned, but they were poisoned first, perhaps by swamp gas. And then in the 1930s, a man named Gilbert Hedden thought that he'd found proof that this was Captain Kidd's treasure buried in the island. And he thought this because he had found a book with a map in it, and the Kidd's treasure island looked a lot like Oak Island. Wow, how about that? That's what he thinks. A lot of it matches up, but it turns out that the guy who wrote the book had drawn the map from memory. It wasn't the original map. And the original map proved that there was no way that Captain Kidd's island was Oak Island. Foiled again. Yeah, foiled again. And George VI had become interested in this at the same time. So we've got some famous names going on here. And around the same time, there's also this story on the island of a wealthy foreigner who explored the bay with an ancient map. He was very secretive. And one day he disappeared. I like to think he might be a ghostly specter. A ghostly specter. We, We like those. And this brings us around to the 1960s and a man named Dan Blankenship, who between 1965 and 1969 spent an estimated $97,000 trying to excavate this island. Just so I think he's found a real money pit. <laughs> and it's a loss. Good one, Sarah. <laughs> he teamed up with a guy named David Tobias and a bunch of investors to form the Triton Alliance in 1969 to begin a $10 million dig. They figured it was time to get the professionals involved with professional equipment and they're convinced that there could be billions of dollars worth of treasure. And, you know, maybe some cool archaeological stuff, oh, yeah. too, as maybe a side note. History. So they find cavities, which are kind of like small underground caves. And inside of them, they find little shards and bits of things. Wood, charcoal, cement, iron, brass, china, clay. And interestingly, they do carbon dating on, on these artifacts eventually. And they're from different time periods. The wood is from the 1500s, as is the cement. The metal is from pre-1800s. Spanish scissors from the 1600s. So something something strange here. Mixture of items. And in 1971, they took a camera down to one of these cavities underwater. And they saw wood, a pickaxe, and what was possibly a human head or a human hand. Although people who have seen the video. Some say, okay, I mean, it's pretty blurry, but yeah, you know, I I can see where there might be a hand while others say there's nothing to see at all. So we'll leave that up to you. But nothing is easy with Oak Island and the money pit. And so there are problems, including some very nasty and expensive land disputes, because who wouldn't want to own Oak Island? And then Blankenship and Tobias's partnership, they had a bit of a falling out, so that fell apart. Blankenship offered tours for a while on the island, and then they offered it up 
for sale. And it looks like for a while, Blankenship's new group was pursuing a new treasure trove license, but I couldn't find updated information. Oak Island has a site, oakislandtreasure.co.uk, but I couldn't find anything that was quite up to the present. So we're left with the questions about what is the truth? What kind of treasure might be there? Is there a treasure at all? Are these, you know, booby traps or is it something else? And Joe Nickel, writing for the Skeptical Inquirer, thinks that the money pit is actually just a sinkhole. Trees could have fallen in and ships' artifacts could have been sucked into caverns under the island. And the caves, you know, maybe they're a natural event, too, due to the interaction between limestone and water. And the flood tunnels could also be a natural occurrence due to tidal pressure and other physical aspects on the island. So maybe it's not, you know, pirates, booty, or this great mystery. Maybe it's just science. Science trumps again. Um, And what about that mysterious cipher? There's also a cross found in the 80s, this heart-shaped stone, all sorts of weird little things. And Nickel says that these and some other artifacts have something to do with the Freemasons, that these things were either added sometime during all this treasure hunting, or that the whole thing started off with a Masonic ritual having to do with something called the secret vault allegory that we won't get too deep into. For what is perhaps a good final word, a woman who was married to one of the four drowned men, another was her son, told a reporter from the Wall Street Journal, Darcy O'Connor, in 1987, I knew from the first day I stepped on that miserable island that there was no treasure there. So Katie and I are actually a little worried that we're going to become obsessed with the money pit because that reporter we mentioned, Darcy O'Connor, he goes on to write an entire book about the island. That's considered basically the, the definitive book on the history of the island. And apparently there was a recent CBC documentary about Oak Island and the money pit, which we haven't seen, but if you have, please email us at historypodcast at howstuffworks.com because there are plenty of unanswered questions, as you've heard in this podcast. We'd like to hear what you think. Plenty of Canadian listeners who can maybe answer them. Fill us in, guys. <laughs> and that brings us to our listener mail today, which is real mail, our favorite kind. We got a postcard from James in Qatar that's really lovely, all sorts of boats and boat building on the front, and a wonderful stamp of a shore earwig. And he said, I heard you wanted postcards from around the world and thought, I live in a strange place. Maybe you want a postcard from the state of Qatar. I definitely do. He said, I do a ton of traveling and I listen to all of your podcasts, and he requested some history on the Middle East. So we'll see what we can do, James. If you want to send us other topic ideas, you can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. We're at Mist in History. And if you want to learn a little bit more about pirates and maybe start your own treasure hunt, you can search for How Pirates Work on our homepage at www.howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the Stuff You Missed in History Class blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. This is Danny Shapiro, host of the hit podcast, Family Secrets. 
I hope you'll join us for some incredible conversations about family, identity, and what happens to both when the secrets that have been kept from us and the secrets we keep finally come to light. Listen and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, listeners, I wanted to tell you about a new podcast from iHeartRadio called The Women, hosted by Rose Reed. It is a fascinating and deep dive interview show where Rose talks to changemakers and disruptors, and she finds out what really drives them. So she will ask each of them, what was your first stand and how do you navigate success and failure? And really, what's the cost of fighting for others? These interviews are really personal and they're candid and sometimes they're a little bit crass, but they are always really enlightening. You can listen to these firebrands and takeaway lessons that will help you navigate your own life and forge your own path. The debut season includes women like Valerie Plame, the former CIA agent who is now running for Congress, and whistleblower and pediatrician Dr. Mona Hanna-Attisha, who exposed the Flint water crisis and became the center of a swirling, swirling amount of problems, uh, and the legendary Buffy St. Marie, 60s songwriter and activist. Uh, I have personal interest in this show because I adore Rose and I executive produce it, and I think you're really going to enjoy the way that she gets into these conversations that feel like two friends talking, and they are an absolute delight. So subscribe to The Women on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.